Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, let's take a look behind us at our um, postulate for today. Uh, you should be familiar with these by now. Actually, I've been thinking about uh, what we've been what I've been titling here is the grace state. Is that's maybe not accurate because probably number one by itself puts you in a grace state. Uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Um, there is a God. Jesus is His Son. I'm committed to love because God is love. Jesus said it's all about love. All right. Probably just that one puts you in a grace state. But the others are maybe if you if you say all four are are sort of the uh, recipe for the, your absolute best possible life. That may be a better way to put it. For success, recipe for success guaranteed every time. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the success you're thinking, but the success that is best for you that God is thinking. Okay, so that's giving up that end result in the present again. But, um, so number one is probably the grace state. Number two, intention only for good, whatever you do. Number three, do your absolute best at whatever you do. Number four, your number one priority is relationships, and that's where you invest heavily every day and where you see the greatest value for your life, present and future. Okay? Um, God's rules for this life, the requirements for love, if, it, if you lose any of these things or they're not in integrity, love falls. What's the big deal? Our very existence, this entire world and universe appears to be done because and for the purpose of love, past, present, and future. So if you miss that, if you, if you mess one of these up and... And it will take you from the high road to the low road and 
your life will not be all it can be. Uh, Dr. Peck from Columbia University, our clinical director, I won't go over these again. And then our distilled essence for today from my son Harry, the philosopher. Um, the inner man is meant to face outward. We get so tied up in ourselves and seek pleasure and avoid pain is all about focusing inward. What do I want? What do I now? There's a time for focusing inward, and that's to go down in the basement with your rubber gloves on one time in your life should be enough if you do it right, and clean all the junk out, clean out the lies and the untruths and the memories that have unforgiveness in them, and anger and low self worth and rejection and I can't do it and all these other things. Okay, but. One time ought to do it, but you got to do it at least one time, okay? So, um, Dr. Peck, all lies matter, and we're talking about those internal lies, um, and the inner man is meant to face outward. What does that mean? It means once you clean up some stuff, as we've been talking about, or, or you don't even have to clean up anything, you can just start focusing outward Immediately, I'm, I'm going to prioritize relationships. So, love with God and Jesus, right with Jesus, Jesus Lord and Savior, and invest in relationships. That's outward. That's an outward focus. Okay? Uh, intention only for good. That's cleaning some stuff out and then setting that as a new intention. And then you start walking in that from now on. Same as this one. Do your absolute best. Okay, you make a commitment to that as best I can. So from now on, maybe, uh, maybe I've not done that up to now. I certainly hadn't come close to doing either one of these, intention only for good and do your absolute best. I was trying to, but I was failing. Okay, so the inner man is meant to face outward. You may be in a place where you can't, like when Hope was depressed. Okay, she would... She would throw a book she just read across the room and it would thud and I would hear it and come and she would say, does the author think I'm an absolute idiot? Does he or she think I haven't tried to just think positive thoughts instead of negative? Or to focus on other people and my job and all? I can't do it. I've tried hundreds of times. I can't do it. Okay. So sometimes the inner man needs a little bit of um, surgery, medication, however you want to look at that, cleanup, uh, exercise, whatever, in order to get where you can face outward the majority of the time. It's almost impossible to face outward if, if you're not good inward, meaning the love side which is joy, peace, patience, rather than the fear side, anxiety, worry, depression, anger, etc. Okay? So the inner man is meant to face out, but it doesn't necessarily come natural to us because we grow up in that pain-pleasure thing, and then we may be junked up to the point that, like hope, we can try, 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 but we're not getting there. All right? Well, we want to join hands with you and help you get there. Okay, let's review just a little bit from last week. 
And um, again, I hope I'm not offending anybody with the stuff where we're talking the last couple of weeks and then this week a little bit more again about what is church really? And is what we call church today the same thing the Jerusalem church called church? Or would the Jerusalem church look at what we're doing today and say, what's that? <laughs> what is that? Where did y'all come up with that? Why are you doing that? Uh, that doesn't seem like it would work very well. I mean, why might they say those kind of things? Well, it's, Acts, it's in Acts 2. They Pentecost and thousands come to the Lord. And then after that, they, are, they have everything in common. They're constantly doing things together, constantly getting together, constantly sharing. Um, it, it's a beautiful picture. And it says that their number was growing daily. I mean, it was a exploding church kingdom type situation, okay? Well, why would that be? Well, I don't know. I think there's some reasons. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago how as I've talked to Christians and believers over COVID, the thing I've overwhelmingly heard is that it's been so nice not to have to go to church, okay? Now, not by everybody, but by almost everybody, okay? And I highly suspect that one or two of the people that did not say that, that said that they had missed church, I had a little intuition they weren't being completely honest, that they were concerned about what my opinion of them would be if they said they were glad they didn't have to go to church. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that, but even if that's true, it's at least nine to one that I talked to over COVID who were a little bit too really happy that they did not have to go to church. And I believe it's because the way we're doing it is not necessarily wrong. No, all these things were not part of the Jerusalem church, but it also doesn't mean they're wrong. Okay, it just means they're also not right in concrete because God said do it that way. No, no, no. These didn't come from God. These came from primarily the Catholic Church, which mandated them um, starting around 300 AD, but they were doing it for power, control, money, not for love, joy, peace, and to do it God's way, okay? But I think, I think the reason maybe we're still 90% in this paradigm and this paradigm is, is, number one, because it's the way we grew up. It's what we're comfortable with, okay? And number two, we just haven't, gone on that search, most people, for to own it. And we're going to talk about that a good bit more today with what we're going to today. But here's a couple of questions before we finish our review of last week. Okay, if someone who had never heard of God, never heard of Jesus, never heard of Christianity, maybe never heard of any of those things, they had not heard of, of Jewish, the Jewish faith or the Muslim faith or the 
uh, Hindu faith or New Age. They, they're just really not familiar with any of it. They kind of grew up maybe like a hippie or something, just sort of hanging out, flower child, you know, make love, not war. Or, or they're just a very simple person who, I don't mean dumb, I mean they just, you know, they just want to do things simply and have a good life, whatever, all right? Um, but my question is, if that person uh, was given one of these and they read it cover to cover, not knowing anything, no preconceived ideas or notions of what's right or not, they're just reading the book. If that happened, would they naturally come up with this list and the 50 or so that are not listed here, which is how we do church today, would they naturally come up with this is how you do church? Um, you can answer that for yourself. My answer is never. A person who didn't know anything and didn't have any prejudices, biases, had not been taught this is wrong, this is right, whatever, reading this for the first time, I don't think there's any way they would ever come up with this is how you do church. And I bet if they did read it for the first time and then someone said, okay, and based on this for 2,000 years, this is how we do it. I think the person who had just read it for the first time might very well say, why? Why are you doing it that way? Okay, pretty good question. Um, I may have shared this story a few weeks back, but a number of years ago, um, a gentleman came to Hope and I and asked to meet with us. It's someone that we had known for a long time, many years. And um, so we uh, went to a restaurant, got a nice quiet table where we knew we could stay for an hour or two because we knew this person uh, loved us. We loved them, and they were wanting to share something with us that they said was extremely important. And what they shared was basically this, that... that um, they were afraid that Hope and I were going to hell because we were not doing it this way. Now, were, were we worshiping? Yeah. Were we giving money to help people that need help? Yeah. Were we going outside of giving money to do things and serve food and build fences and whatever was needed? Were we doing stuff like that to help people less fortunate? Yeah. Were we singing? Yeah, sometimes. Were we praying? All the time, every day, together, separate. Um, did we love the Lord? You better believe it. More than we ever had before, etc., 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 okay? And, and by the way, we, we really appreciated this person um, doing that with us to care enough about us to risk doing something like that. That's hard, right? I mean, him telling us that 
he thinks we're going to hell. That's hard to tell somebody that you love and care about and have known and been friends with for years. So we, we really appreciate it. But after appreciating it, I said, okay, well, can I address some of the things that you shared? And he said, sure. So I, so I grabbed scripture and started going to individual scriptures about these things and about what scripture says about how to do the kingdom and what the kingdom is and church and all that stuff, okay? And he very quickly stopped me. And Hope and I were like, oh, oh, okay, what, what, what's wrong? And here's what he said. I don't read the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. Um, I just believe and do whatever our preacher says to do and to not do. But I don't read the Bible and I really don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> well, then we went from really appreciating him caring enough about us to say that to how in the world do you respond to that? Someone who says, you're not doing it right, and because of that, I believe you're going to hell, but we can't talk about any of these things as far as the proof text is concerned. Every one of them is just because John said that, or because Mary said that, or because... Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's not scriptural. Scripture says always be ready to give an answer for what you believe and don't believe. Okay? So, I believe that that person that came to Hope and I was not unusual. That, 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 that a high percentage of people in church today coming from this root they don't really like they don't really understand what the scripture really says both in context looking at it holistically and in looking what the actual text said in that language as opposed to a mistranslation okay because of various factors that we've talked a good bit about okay so i don't believe you would ever get this list. And that's not where they got it. The place they got it was here. What's the best Bible? What's the best way to do church? What's the best definition of a Christian for the Roman Empire, the Roman army, the Roman uh, bank and savings account? What's the best system for that? And this is what they came up with, and we will put you in jail, torture you, or kill you if you don't do it that way. It drove the Jerusalem church underground, and here we are today, 2,000 years later. Okay? So again, I'm not saying any of these are wrong. I'm just saying they're also not right as far as you have to do it this way. It's up to us. So... Can you do church a different way? And my, my belief is absolutely.
So can you do church in a fishing boat on Sunday morning? The reason I say that is because one of the churches I grew up in, one of the nicest, kindest, most godly men I've ever known, on Sunday morning would go fishing. And he said that that was the best spiritual time he had all week. And while he was fishing, he prayed, he thought about God, he would think about Jesus walking down the road, saying one of his parables and, and stuff. He might sing a little bit out there, say, prayed all, every day, every time he went out there. Um, and, and the entire church behind his back gossiped, putting him down, he's going to hell, he's not really a Christian, he's a bad man, he's, you know, on and on and on. And I'm ashamed to say I believed that early in my life, but today I don't. I believe you can worship God, you can have something that is a part of church, you know, you don't go to church, we are the church, that is on a train, on a plane, in a fishing boat, on a swing, at uh, Panera Bread, over a pizza, at home, in the yard, at the park. Um, green eggs and ham. You can do it anywhere. You can do it your way. You can do it with a lot of people or few. I think, I think you can probably, in a lot of cases, you know, we talked about this too, God says we're two or more are gathered, but he doesn't say I'm not there if only one. I for sure think if one person is focused on him, praying to him, actively trying to worship, I believe there's a good chance God is there too, okay? We're told he's with us, he's all and in all. Holy Spirit's in us, etc. Okay? So, let's get creative with church. Let's do it a different way. Let's do it a way where um, we look forward to it. Where, if, if there was a year where we couldn't do it, we would, what, what 9 out of 10 believers would be saying is, oh, I miss that so much. I miss so much each week having that Lord's Supper meal with these other believers, and we hug each other, encourage each other, share our burdens, have a toast to Jesus, um, whatever. Man, that's my highlight of the week. That is fun, okay? Um, and also doing it in a way that when the world looks at us, they don't see something that seems hypocritical and like it doesn't make sense. Like constantly asking people for money for bigger and bigger buildings and uh, uh, designer clothes and Cadillac Escalades and, um, and spending millions of dollars on a building, millions of dollars on staff, and sometimes very little attention to the things from Scripture that we're told we will be judged on which are not these things. It's being right with God, Jesus is Lord and Savior, and, and helping other people, okay? And keeping our heart clean and pure, focused on love, all right? Um, we talked about 
love A versus love B. And I just wanted to add, you know, if the day that Harry was born, our firstborn son, if the day that he was born, I was given a one-time chance to purchase for Harry love B versus love A in his life. And reminding you, love A is do good, get good, do bad, get bad. Love B is grace. Do good, get good, do bad, get still get good long term. And love B is you do measure up because God has made you, has given you righteousness. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? You are made right, not that you earned right. And we're, we're going to read a passage about that in a minute. But if I had been given that opportunity for Harry on the day he was born, that, that if I don't do anything, he'll get love A. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. But today, one-time offer, I can purchase for Harry where he'll get love B his whole life, where even if he does bad, he gets good, and he measures up all the time as long as he's still committed to God, Jesus, uh, goal is love, etc. Okay? I'd, I'd give anything to purchase that for Harry. I'd give my arm. I'd give my leg. I'd give my house. I'd give all my money. I'd give, every, I'd give anything. For the son that I love to get good in his life, no matter what. Wouldn't you? Well, then are you living love A or love B? Because your children can have love B, but it's already been purchased. You don't have to purchase it because it's already been purchased by God through Jesus. He just wants to give it to you as a gift. Okay, let's um, flip and take a look at today. All right, we've been talking for a long time about going on your journey, that you have to go on your journey to discover who you are, to discover what is the truth and what is not the truth. Not just what the preacher says. Not just what your parents said. Not just what books or the internet say. But what you believe through an as exhaustive a search as you can do is true and right. And I believe when you find that, you will feel it. You'll be pricked in your heart. When, ah, yes, that's it. That's it. Yes, I, I can feel it. Yeah, that resonates. That's it. Okay, um, Eleanor Roosevelt has a very famous quote that's really cool. The past is history. The future is a mystery. The present is a gift. That's why they call it a present. So the present moment is a gift from God. And we never do anything in the past or the future. Everything we ever do is in the present. Okay? And God gives us the gift of being right, righteous in the present all the time. Because 
I, it's present right now, right? Okay, well now that's not present anymore. That was five seconds ago. Now it's five seconds later. So that's not present. Now this is present. But God's plan is no matter where I am in time or today or a year from now or 10 years from now or 10 years ago, no matter where I am in all of that, God's plan is that I can live in the present in love as best I can with Him empowering me. Okay, but to do that, I believe you have to own your belief, which means you've been on your own search and come to the conclusion, so now it's not inherited. It's not your father's belief passed down, which doesn't work anyway, by the way. It's yours. And now you can pass it down to your children, which is really hard to do if you don't own it yourself. It's on, your father owns it, but you don't. And you're trying to pass it down. That usually won't work. But if you own it and your child sees you living in that, now you can pass it down. They can go on our own search. They now own it and can have their best life possible. Okay, so the journey objectives. And these are five questions. And I would ask you to pray and meditate over these. Think about these until next week when I'm going to go into more detail, a lot more detail, about these five questions, which I went on and I believe everyone who wants to have their best life possible has to go on. And to make this journey, you may not have to take a single step out into the world or from your house. This is an inward journey to get down in the basement, clean things up, find out what's true, what's not, what's love-based, what's fear-based, what's right, how does God set it up to work, what's my instruction manual. That's what we've been talking about up until now, okay? Well, these five questions, I believe, are five of them. There's two more I might add in a couple of weeks. But by and large, these five, if you can answer these and answer them correctly, meaning you find the right answer, not just the answer you like, then you can achieve your journey's objectives, which is your best possible life. Okay? So, number one, what is the meaning of life? All right? That's, uh, you know, the college, the big college thing. When you're in college, you start all this esoteric discovery and who am I and what's the world. And, you know, as an adult, we kind of look down on that and snicker a little bit. And I think us adults are the ones who are wrong about that. The college kids have got it right. We, sh we have to. And, and I, think, I think the reason that's so common around that age is because we're supposed to do it. It's kind of like that homing beacon where we've never found a civilization that didn't worship. Well, where did they get that? They didn't have contact with any other civilization as far back as we can tell. It's like an internal GPS, I believe, that God put there for God, for love, our conscience, etc. So what is the meaning of life? And that's primarily what's your worldview? Is there a God or not? If so, what God? All right? 
And which textbook and instruction book? Because there's several, right? Okay. What is the purpose of your specific life? Which may be different from the purpose of anyone else who has ever lived. Okay? What's the purpose? Number three. What is, if there is, a transformational truth from caterpillar to butterfly, from fear to love? Is there such a thing? If there is, what is that transformational truth? Okay? And I believe there is one, and we're going to talk about it next week or soon. But be praying and meditating. What is that? Is, does it exist? What do you think it is? Talk to other people. What do you think it is? Okay? Number four. If there's a transformational truth, is there also a greatest lie that will deceive you into taking the low road to anger and health problems and broken relationships and fear and get what I want when I want, but I'm focused inward on me, okay? Is there a greatest lie that as long as we're believing it and allowing it to do its work in us, which spikes our stress, for one thing, and the greatest lie, I believe, spikes it more than maybe any other lie, what is that? It, and if it functions like a computer virus, but in me, meaning it's a human hard drive virus, but it works like a computer virus, how the heck can I fix it or get it off of my heart or internal hard drive? We're going to talk about that. Number five, how do you fix the biggest problem in your life? What's the biggest problem you have in your life right now? Okay? I'd like you to be thinking about that between now and next week, and maybe by next week, have, have something identified. That, you know, if you were forced to choose just one thing, what would you say is the biggest problem in your life? Okay? And all of these, again, are to own your life and beliefs so that you can experience your best possible life. In other words, I am, and what comes after that? Not, not, not as far as pleasure, pain, as far as the truth. Who are you really? What's your purpose? Are you believing the truth or a lie? And you probably have not been able to fix your biggest problem because you were believing a lie and not understanding the transformational truth, in my experience. So we're going to cover all of that, a lot of it next week. Okay, so that's the journey objectives. What are the journey essentials? What do I need that maybe I don't have? What do I need in my backpack? If I'm Frodo starting out on the journey to the Lonely Mountain, okay, what do I need with me? You know, Frodo had, uh, at one point he had the ring, which would make him go invisible. 
He had an invisibility cloak. He had a special sword. He had special chain mail where a sword couldn't pierce him. I mean, he had some essentials that he probably wouldn't have survived uh, without, okay? Well, what are the essentials needed for your journey objectives? Ezekiel 36. God said, I will give you a new heart. So maybe you need a new heart, which I believe is what psychology calls the unconscious, subconscious, and generational, okay? Uh, and that's basically what emotional well-being means. I believe emotional well-being has a lot of overlap with what we call the spiritual or spirituality, okay? But maybe you need a new heart. Why? Because your other one's full of lies. And we've talked about the, re the recent research. About 50% of what we believe about ourselves and our life is in error. And our thoughts are approximately 75% to the negative. The unconscious mind always leans to the negative. Okay? God says also, Ezekiel 36, I'll give you a new spirit. Now, this was in the Old Law. This was in the Old Testament to... Um, the Jewish to the Israelites, okay? So he said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. He was wanting them to come back to him from their idolatry and disobedience and says, hey, you come back and I'm going to give you good things. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. All right. First uh, Corinthians 2, the mind of Christ we can have the mind of Christ. <laughs> you think that would be any benefit on the journey? To have the mind of Christ? Absolutely. Romans 12. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Okay? Be transformed. Isn't that what all of us want? To so be transformed from caterpillar to butterfly. From fear to love. From anger to patience from depression, hopelessness, helplessness, to joy, from anxiety to peace, from rejection and racism and hatred to love and acceptance, from I don't measure up, I'm not good enough, to I absolutely measure up and I'm more than good enough. I am perfect, not because I've earned it, but I still am, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, righteousness of God. And, uh, and I'm going to read this Romans 3 passage where it says um, that that righteousness of God that we are given is apart from the law. What does that mean? It means it's apart from us earning it or not earning it. It has nothing to do with that. Okay, so we can be righteous, which means saved, which means right, which means innocent, as if I've never committed a sin in my life because of the grace of God and the payment sacrifice of Jesus. But it is a part from the law. What was the purpose of the law, remember? So that sin would increase. Okay, well, righteousness means no sin. It means I'm right. 
That doesn't come by doing it right. You can't. That's what it says over and over and over. That's why it's apart from the law, apart from what you do or don't do. So what is it about? It's about what you believe. So if you have a wrong belief, it can take away your heart, your spirit, the mind of Christ, it can keep you from being transformed. So you stay a caterpillar. You stay angry. You stay with health problems. You stay um, uh, depressed. You stay angry, you, you know, or it's just like this, up and down. If my circumstances go good, I'm happy. If they go not so good, I'm bummed. So it's every day is sort of like this. Okay. Um, but I believe these are essentials for the journey in order to reach the objectives, okay? And I believe this is, by and large, our part. You've heard the thing, there's God's part and then there's our part. I believe primarily this is our part to seek these essentials in truth and love because God has promised them to us, okay, under his certain conditions, and to go on the journey and realize the objectives, to own your life, to be able to answer, I am, and then the truthful answer, which to me is a follower of Jesus. Now, I can expand on that. I'm a follower of Jesus, who I believe has been given a new heart, new spirit, the mind of Christ. I've been transformed. Remember the minus six to plus seven over a year and a half? Boy, that's transformed, let me tell you. I have the righteousness of God through Jesus that is the person of Jesus. And I believe the truth about me, about you, about the world, about how it all works, okay? And that belief opens the door to all the objectives, including, I will never leave you unprotected. I will make everything work out for your best, at least long term. The fruits of the Spirit, uh, the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, one with Christ, the mystery of the ages, all of that comes when the true belief is found, pricked in their heart, accepted. Yes, this is it, and I'm going to live this way as best I can. Father, please help me, empower me. I know I can't do it in my own strength. Now, I can make the journey. I reach the objectives. And these last statements are true of me. 2 Corinthians 5.14. We talked about this last week. The love of Christ compels. What compels you? Is it the love of Christ? Is it love? Is it money? Is it liquor? Is it pornography? Is it uh, status, fame, uh, what compels you? 
and the word compel meaning I almost can't resist it. This is so strong, I feel like I have to do it. Okay? That's supposed to be the love of Christ that does that in our life. And so, from then on, whatever we are compelled to do is compelled by love of God, Jesus, the righteousness of Christ. In Romans 3, righteousness apart from the law because they believed. And, and by the way, I'm not saying these are the only essentials. These would be like in addition to what I consider more the given, commonly talked about, and accepted ones like the Holy Spirit, grace, forgiveness. And those are all critical, but we've been talking about those a lot. I believe these are five essentials that some people don't realize they need in their backpack, and then along the journey they get stuck because they don't have the mind of Christ, and so they're making the wrong decisions, and they don't believe the truth. They still believe a lot of that stuff on the other side that came from the Catholic Church is the only way to do it. Oh, by the way, I need to say something. I'm not against the Catholic Church today. No way, man. Those people were not the people of the Inquisition. Now, I don't have a whole lot of patience for all of the uh, child sexual abuse stuff that's been covered up for, it seems, at least decades, maybe hundreds of years, okay? So, that's a big problem, okay? But there's, there's problems in all churches, um, probably over the years, I've counseled over a hundred full-time ministers, pastors, board members, people like that. Why? Because there was something in their life that wasn't right. They could not fix their biggest problem. Okay? So they came to me for that, and my solution was a spiritual one, not a counseling one, which some of them didn't like, but... Eventually, they would try, because they usually tried a bunch of other stuff and didn't have anything to lose, and inevitably, once they tried it, if they really did it, um, then they would be able to fix their biggest problem and go through this search. I would go through it with them, help them along the way, which is what we want to do with YouTube, Okay and help them get these essentials as well in order to be successful and have everything they need for the journey. Okay? Um, let me read this one passage, Romans 3, uh, starting in verse 21. But now, a righteousness apart a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Who believe what? Who believe in Jesus. Who believe in Yahweh, God. Okay? All right. To all who believe. Um, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified 
God of justice, freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. That's the old law. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And then a couple more sentences because this is crucial. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there's only one God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith? Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. We uphold it. Because the law was always love God, love others. Jesus said it. Against such there is no law. Was Abraham justified by what he did or because he believed? Paul said because he believed. Okay? So, do you have the essentials for the journey that you have to go on in order to own your own life and beliefs? And if you do have them, have you been on the journey and how have the objectives gone for you to this point? And would you be interested in joining hands with me and our team to help you with the journey essentials and then walk with you on the journey in order to meet these objectives in your life. Where your purpose may be unique from anyone who has ever lived or ever will live and your best possible life. And if that happens, the love of Christ will compel you and you will be righteous apart from what you do or don't do, right or wrong, check marks or X marks, you will be righteous apart from the law, which is love be. Do good, get good, do bad, still get good long term, and your percentage that you have to be good in order to measure up, there isn't one. It's zero. It's all been paid for. You didn't do 90% of it, and then the 10% you couldn't do, God paid for. No, he paid for 100%. You may have done some right things, but that didn't earn you anything because the standard is no sin to be in intimate, communal relationship with God. It's no sin. God is light, and him is no darkness at all. Okay? But he knew we couldn't do it right, earn it, because of this flesh thing. 
which was part of the plan because the whole reason is love. But for love to exist, there has to be a choice not to love that's relatively equal, all right? But the purpose is to get to the place where the love of Christ compels us and we are righteous apart from the law. And I believe there's some journey essentials we need to pick up, take with us, have when we need them, and then go on the journey, whether it takes a day or a year, answer these questions, commit to real love in the present moment, giving up the end results, even if it means less pleasure or more pain, doing what is right regardless of whether it's what I want or pleasurable or painful or not. I'm going to do what is right, okay? And I'll never do it right. I'll mess up all the time. It's already been paid for when I do. So I don't have to experience a ton of guilt and shame after, oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I just stole that candy bar. I know that was wrong. Please forgive me. And if I, and if, and if I have these essentials and I've been on the journey and I am compelled by the love of Christ and I am righteous apart from the law, then what I'll tend to experience is more gratitude and thankfulness than guilt and shame. And my have-tos turned into want-tos. Change from the inside out may be similar to a near-death experience, where I now, I have left brain and right brain. I have a new experience and new knowledge. The knowledge is what is true and right, the experience is the love of God, the love of Jesus. Love others. Love myself. Yes. Okay. So, this week, do you have these? If not, um, I believe it's worth some time to cultivate them, receive the gift, from God. These are gifts from God. Okay? And then prepare for the journey, take off, and I'm not coming back until I've got the answers and have found what's the meaning of life, what is my particular purpose, how can I be transformed, let me get rid of my human hard drive viruses, lies and untruths that are fear-based. Let me, let me fix and ask God to fix my biggest problem, which we'll talk more about later, uh, maybe next week, okay? To own your life, to be confident in who you truly are, on the high road, being transformed maybe on your line. Mine was minus six to plus seven over a, year, over a year and a half. Maybe yours will be minus five to plus nine in a year and a half. I, I'll tell you one thing, you go through this, it's only gonna go up, okay? You're only gonna be more and more and more positive if you do this, that, 
that is not the negative path. Okay, this is the positive path. All right? So, that's it for today. The journey essentials, I believe you need them. God wants you to have them or he wouldn't give them to you. They're a gift. Your payment is your love and choice and acceptance of that gift. All right? Go on the journey. Find yourself. Find the truth. Be transformed. And be compelled in everything you do in life by love and to know I am good. I am right. As if I've never committed a sin in my life. Gratitude, thankfulness, not guilt and shame. All right. Thank you so very much and have a wonderful, blessed day. Uh, please think about this a little bit these, this week. I think it would be good if you did because next week we're going to get deeper into some of these and it will help if you've just given it a little bit of thought, prayer, meditation. Okay? All right. Have a wonderful week. I love you. God loves you. See you later.